Hey, Rockbridge, my name is Matt. I hope everybody is doing great. want to welcome everybody to all six of our physical locations. Those of you that are online, you know, we're one church, multiple locations, multiple languages, same mission and same vision. So glad, so glad that you're here. As we come out of that bumper, I want to say thank you to the, so many of you that signed up or said, hey, I want to talk to someone about serving and supporting and building up the church. As you came in or if you're online, you can use the, the chat section. You can still sign up to serve. You can do that all the time, 52 weeks a year. But we're just making a special push, a special emphasis during these past two weekends at Rockbridge. And, I, and just to be absolutely transparent, we don't have enough people serving to minister to all the people coming. And, and so we need to ask ourselves, hey, am I edifying and building up the church? So I just want to ask you to prayerfully consider that. And uh, thank you so much again for those of you that are serving and those of you that said, hey, I want to at least like to have a conversation about what it might look like to be part of building up God's uh, church. Also, please don't forget, most, I call it the most important service of the month. It's first Wednesday this, this week. We have worship prayer, take the Lord's Supper. It is also an incredible time where our elders, our prayer team members get to pray for those of us that come forward and, and have a need, whether it's sickness or we need breakthrough or a stronghold or an addiction. Love to have, give you that opportunity, and that happens on first Wednesday. We are continuing now to navigate through our series, The crown where Israel has asked God for a human king, diplomat, political leader, and we're in the book of 1 Samuel going through that verse by verse. We'll be in chapter 11 today. Now, listen, I think when we think about what we, what we all have going on in our lives, there's like a couple of categories that we think about, right? There's what we'll call, and I'll just have a little box here, there's what we call like the life stuff. You know, the stuff in this box is, hey, I got to go to work, I got to pay the bills, you know, I, I got to do what, kind of what I got to do. And, and, and sometimes life stuff is just the 24-7, this is what I do every Monday, this is what I do on Tuesday, get a little bit of time off on the weekend, and then we repeat, right? That's, that's life stuff. Sometimes life stuff's hard. Sometimes life stuff is death or cancer. Sometimes life stuff is divorce or disease. Sometimes life stuff is a pink slip. Sometimes life stuff's bad traffic, right? I mean, life stuff, right? We all know what I'm talking about. And, and then, you know, we've also got this category of fun stuff. And, you know, we'd love to uh, get through the life stuff and maximize the fun stuff. And the fun stuff could be for you, the beach, could be the lake, could be binge watching on Netflix, time with your friends, I don't know, sweet tea, peanut butter pie, whatever, right? Fun, <coughs> fun stuff. But the life that God has for Israel, the life that God has for you in this room, there's another category. And it's one, <coughs> excuse me, that we don't talk about a lot or we don't think about, and we're tempted to overlook it and tempted to ignore it. In fact, when it comes to God, you kind of want to relate to God here. God, help me survive this stuff, get through it, need a better job. You know, God, get, get this bad thing out of my life. And God, you know, I, I really want the good times to roll, baby, right? I mean, that's kind of what we think about when we think about how we relate to God. And then when God doesn't help us over here the way we think he should, or this is like not as much fun stuff going on, God, what's wrong with you? 
And the whole time, what if the problem is we don't have the right understanding? Maybe there's a whole other category that's bigger, that encompasses the fun stuff and the life stuff. And God's like, yeah, you're going to go through tough stuff and you're going to go through life stuff, but you don't have to go through it the way you are going through it. And so God's going to give us a new category, how to live our lives, the best life of following him. 1 Samuel chapter 11, we'll pick it up in verse 1. Here we go. Nahash the Ammonite came up and laid siege to Jabesh-Gilead. This is a town in Israel. These are, these are some of the enemies that surround Israel. All the men of Jabesh said to him, said to Nahash, make a treaty with us and we will serve you. This guy is an enemy. In fact, his name harkens back to Genesis 3. His name literally means snake or serpent. And so the people of Israel, or at least of this town, Say, hey, we want to make a peace treaty with the snake. <coughs> we want to make peace with the enemy. Let me show you the precarious situation of, of Israel, right? So there, we're located, right here is Jabesh Gilead. So he comes up from Ammon right here. We have the Philistines and the Canaanites here. So they've got enemies on both sides. And so this is kind of a crucial time and a crucial period of, of their life <coughs> in, the, in the nation of Israel. And then all of a sudden, they, for some reason... They want to compromise. For some reason, they want to make peace. So it's like this. It's like, okay, fun stuff's not happening, life stuff. So the only way to get through this is to minimize the bad. The only way to get through this is to kind of make peace with the enemy. And so remarkably, the people's response is to do this. They choose compromise over covenant. They're in covenant with a holy God. They're in, they're, this is the God that led Abraham through the promised land and said, I'm going to give this to your descendants. This is the God that made I-75 through the Red Sea. This is the God that defeated the superpower of Pharaoh. This is the God that caused the walls of Jericho to fall down. And these people don't even think about that. They're like, we're just going to make peace and compromise and forsake our birthright. You and I have a God who put his son on a cross, not for us to compromise with the serpent, not for us to settle for less, not to say, oh, life's just too hard. I'll live in compromise. I'll make a treaty with my enemy. I'll make a treaty with my addiction. I'll make a treaty with my flesh. I'll make a treaty with Satan. But that's what they're doing because, they, I mean, life's hard right? Well, we've all done it. And, and, and then it's like, hey, we just want to prevent something bad, which is annihilation perhaps by the serpent guy in the hash, the Ammonite, versus trusting in God's promises. So it's like, what's going on? And, and again, right? I mean, we've been there where it seems like, hey, not much fun stuff for a while. We just got to survive this. We just got to survive this, and, and so the only way we know to survive this is let's make a treaty with our enemy. But our enemy, listen to me, our enemy is never satisfied with a compromise. Look what our enemy does. Nahash, serpent, the Ammonite replied, I'll make one with you on this condition, that I gouge out everyone's right eye and humiliate all of Israel. Satan wants to humiliate God's people. Satan wants to embarrass the church. <coughs> Satan is not satisfied with a peace treaty. It's humiliation. So the, the elders come back and they say, well, don't do anything to us for seven days. 
the elders of Jabesh said to him, and let us send messengers throughout the territory of Israel. If no one saves us, and this word comes up about three or four times in this text, we will surrender to you. Now, if you remember last week, last week Saul emerges as the king that Israel asked God, sinfully asked God to give them, and Saul is the one that's appointed to that. So in the backdrop of this whole story is, well, where's the king? What's the king going to do about the threat from the serpent guy, Nahash the Ammonite? And, And this is where it intersects. So when the messengers came to Gibeah, which is Saul's hometown, and told the terms to the people, they all wept aloud. Because this is a strategic location. If Jabesh Gilead falls, then it's conceivable that all of Israel falls. All of Israel is humiliated. All of Israel loses their right eye. And they're ruled by an Ammonite or the Philistines. Life stuff can be hard, right? Just then, Saul was coming in from the field behind his oxen. What's the matter with the people? Why are they weeping, Saul inquired. And they repeated to him, the words of the men from Jabesh. Now, it's interesting that this is where we find Saul. He's been appointed the king, but he goes back to farming. There's just no category in Israel for what a king even looks like. There's no government. There's no real sense of organization. There's no nothing. So he just goes back to what he knows, you know, doing his life stuff. But if he's going to be used by God, and if he's going to be used by God when there's an enemy that's threatening the existence of Israel, and the people's only option seems to be to compromise or to have someone rise up and save them, what do we do with this? What, what, what happens? What, what, what do we do in these situations? And, and so Saul hears what's all going on, and he's just kind of gone back to living his life the only way he knows how. The only way he knows how. And listen, I I think that's such a temptation. All of us, man, we just know one of two categories. There's the life stuff we got to deal with, and then maybe we get to some fun stuff. Maybe we get to some time off. Maybe we get to a vacation. Maybe we get to, you know, there's a great new series on Netflix, and that's just kind of all we're balancing, right? That's all we're balancing. And God, help maximize this. Help me get through this. Make this not as bad. Let me love what I do at work. And that's just kind of what we do. And we operate in those two buckets or those two categories, and then we wonder, you know, why does sometimes I feel like a victim? Why do we sometimes feel defeated? Why does life sometimes feel like a series of bad options? Because we're forgetting something huge, something that is way more of an opportunity in the New Testament era, the church era that we're in, certainly that it was in the Old Testament, but we get an example of it from our guy Saul. When Saul heard these words, the Spirit of God suddenly came powerfully, some translations say literally took control on him, came powerfully on him, and his anger burned furiously. Now, I want you to know, God is not just going to get rid of Nahash, right? God's not just going to say, okay, forget about that. Let me bring the fun stuff. What God is looking for is people who are willing to be led by his spirit. And so, no matter what happens, when life gets heavy and hard, 
the spirit life, when life seems to, you know, fun and everything, it's all about doing it and being led by the spirit. And so when the spirit takes control of Saul, the problem does not go away. The power of God comes on a person chosen by God to be used by God. And it's no different than anybody listening to the sound of my voice. The only difference is in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come on one person for a particular time in a particular place. But because of the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit now has been poured out on men and women, young and old, anybody who confesses, professes the name of Jesus Christ. And so the, the, the category that is missing from a lot of our lives is a life led by the Spirit of God. A life led by the Spirit of God. Like, we can spend a lot of time talking about, hey, the fun we're going to do this weekend or that we have done this weekend. We are, are all experts in talking about and sharing, you know, life stuff. But when's the last time we've just said, hey, what's the Spirit of God doing in my life? Am I being prompted by the Spirit of God to do anything? How does the Spirit of God work powerfully through us? Because that, too, is our born-again birthright. Right? Or are we more like the, the elders of Jabesh Gilead that said, we'll compromise with the serpent rather than be filled with the Spirit? You see? That's how the church is supposed to operate. That's how the people of God are supposed to operate. It's not saying bad things won't happen. It's not saying problems won't come. It's not saying the serpent's going to give up on humiliating God's people because he won't. But there is the Spirit of God that wants to lead the people of God to accomplish the purposes of God. I think there's some insights as we watch Saul in this episode. The first thing that jumps out to me <coughs> is when, when Saul heard what was going on with the people, his affections matched God's ambitions. He was, you ever heard the phrase, when, if your heart breaks for what breaks the heart of God? If you're passionate about what God's passionate about. So Saul is affected when he hears the weeping, when he hears people, and he realized God's ambition is to do something spectacular through Israel. In fact, what Saul knows is he's going to be used by God to start taking the war to the Philistines and to the enemies that surround Israel because they're sitting on Israel's promised land, right? And, and one of the roles of the Holy Spirit, Jesus tells us, is the Holy Spirit will bring glory to Christ, will bring glory to God. And, and what's our created, what's our purpose? It's to bring glory to God. And so Saul recognizes, hey, this is the moment. This is the opportunity. This is what we're here for. We're not here just to kind of, you know, have enough fun and, to, you know, get through life and then die and maybe go to a better place. We are here to be people led by the Spirit of God for the purposes of God. And, and Saul has this awakening and then this crate, and, and he wants to bring glory to God. And, and the, the crazy thing, and, and, and again, I know there's mystery involved in what we're talking about, but like I said last week, if you were here, we as a church, you, if you're a Christ follower, you know, it, we can't just be God the Father Christians. We can't just be God the Son Christians. We have to also be God the Holy Spirit Christians because that's the fullness of the Godhead. Now, I love the language in the text we just read 
that says Saul is controlled by God himself. You ever think about that? What does it look like to be controlled by God himself? Now, we know what it's looked like to be controlled by something really fun, right? Nothing wrong with it, necessarily. Could be. Depends on what the fun is, right? But we all know what it's like to be... We, we all know when things are going on in our life and they're just controlling us, right? I mean, you can't get your mind off of it. Your emotions are dictated, governed, and controlled. It affects your relationships. It affects how you view yourself. It affects how you view God. So we know what it's like to be controlled by something. In fact, in the New Testament... Paul gives an amazing analogy to what it means to be controlled by the Spirit. Look what he says. <coughs> the days are evil, and that hasn't changed. The days are evil. So life stuff happens. The snake is still trying to humiliate God's people. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And he says this, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living. So drunkenness is you become controlled by a chemical substance, right? Right? You're controlled by that. And he says, don't do that. But then he says, he contrasts it. He says, but be filled by or be continually filled by the Spirit. So what he's saying is, just like you can be controlled by alcohol or some kind of chemical substance, just like you can be controlled by what that person said about you on social media, just like you can be controlled by the fact that you don't think you have enough money, just like you can be controlled by worry or fear and anxiety or what people think about you, just like you can be controlled by what the economy is going to do, just like you can be controlled by what you saw on Fox News, you can also be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God who put his son on a cross for you. And I think we can, oh, right? So if we're not being controlled by God, what else can we be controlled by? Fear? We can be controlled by our pride and our ego, what other people are doing or saying or thinking about or talking or criticizing. <coughs> we can also be controlled by comfort. By comfort. In 2 Timothy, Paul is giving advice to his protege. And he brings this concept of what's controlling you up as he encourages Timothy to operate in the Spirit. Listen to Paul's words. He says, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you. Don't compromise when God has given you amazing grace. Let me say that again, church. Don't compromise when God has given you amazing grace to be his people, to be vessels for his spirit, to be his adopted sons and daughters. Israel, don't compromise with the serpent guy when you are God's chosen people to bring the Messiah into the world. So I remind you, Timothy, can rekindle the gifts of God. That is in you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but rather one of power, of love, and judgment. He continues, he says, So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Don't be controlled by embarrassment. In, in fact, because Paul was in prison, 
There was this sense that, hey, maybe being a Christian is not a cool thing, not a popular thing. Don't, 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 don't let that happen, Timothy. Instead, <coughs> share in suffering for the gospel. Be willing to be uncomfortable for the gospel. You're being controlled by the Spirit, right? Relying on the power of God. How does the power of God come to the people of God? It comes to the person of God, the person through the Holy Spirit of God. And so it seems like in this story where we're still dealing with battles and the Philistines and Nahash, the serpent guy for the Ammonite, the real battle is really are we going to live a self-driven life or a spirit-driven life? Because what is, what is, what ha, what is it, when we're controlled by life stuff, the fear, the anxiety, even when we're controlled by the fun stuff, the pleasure, it's all about how is this going to affect me? And we're supremely self-conscious, right? It, what are people going to say about me? What if I have to be inconvenienced? What, what, what if this goes wrong? And who will I be if this doesn't work out? And, and so the, the great enemy in being filled with the Spirit is not what the enemy is doing out there. It's what our flesh, our self, our ego is doing in here. Because the Holy Spirit needs to fill empty people, emptied of their pride or emptied of their, 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 their excessive self-consciousness where we become conscious of things that matter to God. And so when Saul hears this news, he realizes this is not of God. This is not God's will. This matters to God. And so Saul, if you remember from last week, when it was time for him to be like sworn in and hand on the Bible, so to speak, inaugurated, they couldn't find him. Where was he? He was hiding because he was afraid, because he was very self-conscious, not spirit-led. <clears throat> now, look what he does. It's not the same guy. It's not the same guy. So he takes a team of oxen. He cuts them in pieces. He sent them throughout the territory of Israel by messengers who said, <coughs> this is what will be done to the ox of anyone who doesn't march behind Saul and Samuel. Where did he get that boldness? Where did he get that courage, the, that confidence? As a result, the fear of the Lord, the terror of the Lord fell on the people. And that sounds like a bad thing until you read the next part of the sentence. And they went out united. United. Saul counted them at Bezek. There were 300,000 Israelites and 30,000 men from Judah. He told the messengers who had come, tell this to the men of Jabesh Gilead. The men who were going to compromise instead of live up to the covenant. He said, tell them this, deliverance will be yours tomorrow by the time the sun is hot. Who is this guy? He's not the same guy we saw last week. He was out doing life stuff. Foreman, he gets a report that is opposite the will of God. And his heart is moved, and he becomes more conscious of God than himself, and he becomes Saul, who is spirit-led. The same opportunity exists for everyone here today 
that has Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So the messengers told the men of Jabesh, and they rejoiced. Then the men of Jabesh said to Nahash the serpent, Tomorrow we will come out, and you can do whatever you want to us. Yeah, right? The next day, Saul organized the troops into three divisions. During the morning watch, they invaded the Ammonite camp, slaughtered them until the heat of the day. There were survivors, but there were so many, they were so scattered that no two of them were left together. Now, let's look at the battle lines. On the outside, you have the Ammonites. You have the need for strategy and organization militarily. You have the looming, the, the Philistines who are always in the background in 1 Samuel. But the internal battle, fear, insecurity, uncertainty, the unfamiliar, what's going to happen, what's going to go on. And what happens to Saul is God overshadows all of this, so this doesn't seem too much of a problem anymore. You see that? He's still got to deal with the problem. He's still got to fight. He's still got to organize. But he's not afraid. He's not worried. He's on mission, and he's on purpose. <coughs> now, here, here's kind of the bad news or the good news, depending on how you look at it. God will put more on us than we can handle. God will ask us to do what is beyond our natural ability to do. So, you know, if we're content in life in these two categories, sooner or later, life feels overshadowing of everything good, right? And you're like, God, what are you doing? God, why would you allow this to happen? God, my 20s were great. What happened in my 30s? God, what are you doing? He's inviting us. Right? To live by his spirit. So we go back. See, if all you're doing is looking yourself in the mirror, you're focused on yourself. Whether that's insecurity or pride or you're obsessed with what's this going to mean to me and how's this going to impact me. Saul dropped everything, right? He dropped his farming. And he operated in the spirit. And we had victory. So, so here, here's, the, here's the beautiful thing, okay? God is not looking for proven or talented people. God fills people who are empty of themselves and sensitive to his spirit and to his will. When you become a Christ follower, let's just be honest. You are signing up for this. You are not signing up for just, hey, God, Give me more fun stuff and help me get through life. God will do that, but he's going to do it by asking you to become a spirit-led person. He's going to do it by sending his Holy Spirit. He's going to do it when we are empty of ourselves and sensitive to him. And, and, and this, is the, this is the beautiful thing, okay? Because this sounds like if, if Satan's working on you right now as I'm speaking, this sounds sort of like a weird deal. This sounds like a bad deal because you're like, God, make my life easier. And I'm giving you, God's word is giving us a whole new category for how to go through life with his spirit in control. Now, here's the powerful thing. Now, let's lean in, okay? 
Because you will not hear this message when you go on social media and when you go listen to Dr. Phil or anybody else in, in, in pop culture. Being controlled by the Spirit means we're free. Now, the Spirit of the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, 2 Corinthians 3.13. Being controlled by the Spirit means we're free, and you're like, whoa, 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 Matt, that doesn't make any, any sense. Being free, being free means we're not controlled by anything. We can choose and do whatever we want, right? See, isn't that, isn't that what the, if you ask most Americans, if you ask pop culture, what does it mean to be free? Well, man, I have a lot of choices. I can do what I want to do. I can, I can be free sexually. I can be free, you know, to, to choose my this, to choose that. I can be me. I can do what makes me happy. But let's look at that. Let's look at that for just a minute. God is the freest being there is. But God cannot do anything he wants. God can't sin. God cannot ever be unloving God cannot ever lack integrity God can never ever do anything unjust God is free to be exactly who he is forever okay why did he create us to enjoy him to bring glory to him Freedom for us is maximized, listen, under the control of the Holy Spirit. If you're a parent, you have young kids, would you ever just say, hey, go out in the yard and play? Hey, if you want to go play in the road, be free. Go, don't just go play in the road, you'll be fine. You would never say that. They'd throw you in jail. <laughs> and yet... We're raising kids in a generation where we can say to them, yeah, you're born a boy, but you can be a girl if you want to. Is that free? Like I said a couple of weeks ago, if a fish wants to live on land, I'll be free. You'll be dead in five. Because you weren't created to live on land. You were created, male and female, in the image of God. So maximum of freedom is found where? Under, in the control of the Spirit in the kingdom of Jesus. That's that invitation. Listen, listen don't, don't even trust my words. Listen to John the, John the Baptist. He must increase, I must decrease. I must get out of the way. To be who I am created to be, I got to step back so Jesus can step in. <coughs> Listen to the Apostle Paul. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. If all you're here for is, Matt, give me five pieces of advice to have a better marriage, make more money, and live the American dream. You're like, what is that garbage on the screen? But you're being discipled by a snake who wants to enslave you and humiliate you. The God who put himself on the cross for you and offers maximum freedom forever. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's some of you here today, I want to ask you this question before I close with the passage. Has this happened to you? Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you died to yourself? (coughs) Given your sins to Christ? If you haven't, why don't you accept that invitation right now? Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I give you the steering wheel of my life. I give you my sins. As best I know how, because you're never perfect, but you're walking in a new direction. As best I know how, Jesus, I want to be crucified with you. That's a tough prayer. But on the other side of tough is your purpose, is eternity. The God who loved me and gave himself for me. Would you give yourself to Jesus right now? You can use the next step card. Go forward and be baptized. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Be a new person. Be like Saul. Who was Saul last week? Hiding. Who is Saul this week? Spirit led. Spirit led. (coughs) Afterwards, the people said to Samuel, Who said that Saul should not reign over us? We want that guy. And then, if you remember last week, there were some people like, they they were wicked and they were throwing shade at Saul. And they, so they called them out. They said, give us those men. It goes back to 1027, chapter 10, verse 27. So we can kill them. Revenge. Saul's the man. If you're not behind the man, you're out of here. Now, if Saul is operating by the flesh, he wants revenge. If you're operating by the flesh, when you get that nasty social media post, you fire back, don't you? Right? You want to be right. You want to be vindicated. You want to be recognized. But Saul ordered, no one will be executed this day. See, his character, it's not just his success in battle, it's his character now. That's different. We're not doing revenge ops. We're not trying to get even. No one will be executed today. For today, and Saul doesn't even take credit for it. Because he's spirit-led. But today, the Lord has provided deliverance in Israel. So here it is again. (coughs) If you're self-driven, you get even. If you're self-driven, you get revenge. If you're self-driven, you wag your finger and you say, I told you so. If you're self-driven, you post something on social media that looks nothing like your faith or the God who died for you. If you're faith-driven, I mean, excuse me, if you're self-driven, you take credit. Look at me. Look what I did. If you're spirit-led, you're like, I'm not killing anybody. We're not getting revenge. We're not posting that. We're not acting in anger and and, and, and vindictive ways. This is something God has done, and we got to be a part of it. Then Samuel said to the people, come, let's go to Gilgal. 
Gilgal is a place of renewal, place of the covenants, where circumcision occurred for the first time in like 40 years before uh, they fought at Jericho. Powerful, important place. So we can renew the kingship there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there in the Lord's presence they made Saul king. There they sacrificed fellowship offerings in the Lord's presence, and Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Emphasis in the Lord's presence. So I want to just give you a couple of invitations this weekend. Are you compromising with the blood covenant that Jesus has offered you? Sons and daughters of the Lord Most High, vessels for the Holy Spirit. If, if you're compromising, I want to just invite you to repent and get a new vision for your life. Maybe you walked in here and it was all, it was one of these two things. But now you see a vision to be a spirit-led person. And you're going to say no to compromise. Maybe some of you, it's renewal time. It's a Gilgal moment. It's, I, I, I've not really been walking with God. I haven't lost my beliefs. Haven't gone out and done anything crazy. But, but it's renewal. I, I, I need to renew who I am as a son or daughter, a man or woman of the Lord. And then the third invitation is what I said when I put Galatians 2.20. Have you ever received the benefits, the blessing of the good news? Have you ever received Christ into your life? Have you ever received the Holy Spirit? Have you ever just said, Jesus, I know you died for me, and I thank you, and I receive that. I'm dying today with you so I can walk in newness of life and be your son or your daughter forever. Compromise, let's repent. Renewal, let's come back. Receiving the death of Jesus as your own and the life of Jesus as your own as well. We pray together. God, thank you so much for everybody here. Lord, I, I really believe there's people here, not, not, no one's here by accident. So God, I'm just gonna pray, Holy Spirit, that you just have your way. I don't know what that looks like, but you do. And God, you can take your word and you can shine it in places in our lives where only we understand and we know what's next. So Lord, for those of us who need to repent and say no to the compromise and no to the, the treaty with the devil, we just are saying that right now. God, I'm sorry for living for less than what you died for. I am so sorry, God. And God hears that prayer. And God forgives that person, those people. God, there's those of us here today, and, and we need to renew something with you. We've been stale or stagnant. We've been hiding behind the supplies like Saul was last week. But today we're coming out. We're coming back. And we're going to pray, God, you just fill us afresh with your spirit. And whether we feel it or not, we receive that by faith in your word. And then, Lord, I do believe there's people here that need to die and come alive. They need to die by giving you the steering wheel of their lives. They need to turn from their sins and life on their own terms and say, Jesus, I need the blood. Jesus, I need the cross. Jesus, I need you. Holy Spirit, would you just guide people to, have to respond in ways that bring honor and glory to you. The way Saul said, this is a great victory today. 
God, I believe you're winning battles in souls right now. And I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And we all pray together. Amen and amen.